If you guys turn to the front of your bulletins, we'll uh, read the Word of God together. It comes from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so... If you have been around for the last year and a half, or two almost, you've been hanging out in the book of Romans. Can anyone tell me who wrote the book of Romans? Anybody? Paul, that's right. Scott, nice work. Why did Paul write the book of Romans? Can anyone give me something? Why did Paul write the book of Romans? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Bible student Nathan! Totally. The church in Rome was arguing over when to worship, what to drink at communion, what to do for birthday parties, you know, the classic church argument stuff. He wrote it to a church that was arguing. Um, What was the name of the guy that kicked the Jews out, Craig? Was it Nero? No. Marcus Aurelius, general of the Legion Armies to the North. I just like saying that. I do. Anyway. Um, So, listen. Romans was written by Paul. Paul wrote it because the church was arguing. And Paul said, listen, I want you guys to understand what are the major things that you should agree on and what are the minor things that let's just let them slide. Okay? And according to Paul, things that you eat... Let's let, 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 let that one kind of go. But he said, listen, this is what's hard. He's, I wish that he just said, let it go. But he doesn't let you off the hook. Because he said, if what you eat is causing someone else problems, then don't eat it. That one is so hard for me. It really, really is. Because you know what's one of my gods? Party and good times. And if my good times is causing you to have a problem, it really makes me cranky to stop my good times, you know? It's kind of like when your mom said, turn down your music! Remember that? <laughs> it's kind of like when your wife says, turn down your music, right? Um, you don't want to stop your good time, right? But here is what Paul is saying. The baseline of the gospel The baseline of Christianity, the baseline of a life filled by the Spirit is living for someone else's good. And so if your loud music is infringing on someone else's good, if your partying, drinking, eating is infringing on someone else's good, then Paul says, to be like Christ, you must say, hmm, 
I desire my neighbor's good more than my good. And here's why he says this, I think. This separates Christianity from, I believe, most any other religion. Can you really actually do that on your own? I've seen a couple of people come close, but not really. No way that I can do that. I'm for my good, right? And if you don't think it, just watch when it comes to a buffet, right? I like to be first in line, you know? If you ever want to see the selfish heart of people, right? Take two 15-passenger vans and a Christian camp staff and say, all right, jump in the van. One, you got the people that call shotgun, right? That is complete selfishness. Two, you got the people who are sizing up, being like, I do not want to be beside Marcus. He's annoying and doesn't stop talking. I want to be beside this person because they're cute and they're cool and they have the new whatever. Like, watch, when kids get into a bus or kids get into a van, it is pecking order like crazy. Total selfishness, right? Watch when it comes to food. People look out for themselves. They look out for their own sleep. They look out for their own food. And you can throw all the Christianese on yourself. You can memorize all scripture. You can do all these things. But it is the spirit, it is the spirit that enables us to be unselfish. So Paul gives us a formula here. So let's read this. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings uh, of the weak and not please ourselves. Ouch, that's difficult. Each of us should please our neighbor for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. That is from the Old Testament, Psalm 69, verse 9 to be specific. When you read your Bible, get excited like that. Find out where is this from? Paul is quoting the Old Testament, and this should give you an indication that he did, because he says, well, one, there's quotation marks around it, so you know it's not his. you got to find out where it came from, right? Then he says this, for everything that was written. You have to figure out, what, what is he talking about? What was written, everything that was written. He's talking about the OT, the Old Testament. It says, in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in Scripture and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Hope. And this is the hope. The hope is that what you're enduring is not in vain. So if you're enduring your neighbor, if you're enduring your in-laws, I was telling Sharon, I saw that commercial. I don't know if you've seen that commercial. There's this new thing where like you get this like crazy like camera and like screen at your house and it gives like this big panoramic view and then you can like pretty much have your mother or your aunt, whoever lives far away with you. Essentially, they can see the whole thing. And so it was this advertisement for it, and it was like this lady who did not want her mother to come over for the holidays, or maybe it was her mother-in-law, I'm not sure. But what's awesome is they're sitting there, and she's like getting ready, and she's like, yeah, I'm not really sure if you're going to want to come over or not. And then she had cued her son to come in and be like, Mom, the school nurse says I have head lice. And then her son takes his head and rubs it across the whole back of the couch. He goes, and now you have couch lice. And the lady on the other side is like, I will send you my presents. And the lady's like, yes. You know? Now, why did I say any of that? I have no idea. It was a funny commercial. It had something to do with this. Huh? 
Enduring, yes. Enduring people. So maybe you felt like, man, I am just peopled out after the holidays. I want to go crawl under a rock. Man, living for other people's good is so hard. But this is the formula. This is the formula. And so it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, to teach us how to do this, so that we can endure and we can be encouraged. And then what's beautiful about that, if that, okay, ready for this? Buddhism. Buddhism is like this. Buddhism is one of those religions that actually comes pretty close to Christianity when it comes to unselfishness. Buddhism is all about self-denial. Buddhism is all about self, um, you know, making yourself go through hard times and, and whatever to lift somebody else up. But here's the difference between Buddhism and Christianity. Now, if, the, if it just ended with this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we would have hope. That's Buddhism. They have scriptures. And it will tell you about why you should have hope, right? For when you deny self, you create karma, right? And karma is a good thing. It's going to come back to you eventually, right? Okay? Now, guess what? Paul doesn't stop writing there. What's he say? Then he says this, and this is what Buddhism does not offer. It says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind towards each other as he did Christ Jesus. That's the difference, folks. A lot of other religions have scriptures. And a lot of other religions have scriptures that are actually pretty good. Got some pretty good stuff in there. Okay? Here's the difference. It's it's through Scripture by the Spirit. That's what makes Christianity different. Paul doesn't leave you shorthanded. And that's what happens to a lot of us as Christians. We are no different than any other religion because, folks, if you check yourself in the mirror, you might not have the Spirit. I know that's really hard for you to hear, but you might not. If you're sitting there pounding your head against the wall over and over and over, you might just have the scriptures. And the scriptures are not the spirit. So you must stop and look at heaven and say, Lord, creator of heaven and earth, by the power of your son, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross, died and raised again, I know that I have the forgiveness of sins. And the forgiveness of sins is when I put my faith, hope, and trust in you. And when I do that, I open myself to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Put your home inside of me. Live within me. For if that spirit has not come in you through the confession of your sin and the believing of your heart, (laughs) folks, I don't care how hard you read the scripture. I don't care how hard you muster your willpower up to endure you ain't going to do it. And if you are doing it, it's because you have a pretty good spouse and a pretty good neighbor. Right? Pretty easy. Folks, this is such beautiful hope that it's by the Spirit of God that we have hope. It's by the Spirit of God that we can endure. It's by the Spirit of God that we are encouraged. Anything and everything that we do is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we must ask for him daily to show us. Show us where we need to confess sin. Show us where we need to to give an encouraging text or an encouraging word. Show us where, mm, you know what? You know, and this is what I love about living in community. 
So Jake, poor guy, is, is going to join us in our community, right? You want to, like, really have a hard time? Go live with your pastor, right? It's difficult. You see your pastor up here in one respect, sharing the word of God and enjoying a smiley dinner in the back. But have you been with me when I'm super cranky, you know, at night? Have you been with me when somebody has eaten my leftover Chinese food? Whoa. Talk about fire-breathing dragon, you know? Community is such a place where we learn to be like Christ because we're forced. We are forced, right? We are forced to live unselfishly. What I never understood, though, is about dogs. Dogs really force people to live unselfishly, and they're willing to do it. Have you noticed that about dogs? A dog makes you get up and walk them in the morning. A dog, if you don't have a big yard, requires you to carry around a sandwich bag and pick up after it. Okay, it is two above zero. You're walking around in your slippers, and then you pick up a steamy pile and tie it. Then you go to the store and be like, what are you taking for my dog? You yell at a human being who's making you coffee. Did the dog make you coffee? No, you picked up its thing. And then it chewed your favorite slippers. The grace people give dogs is unbelievable. If we would just give that same grace to the human race, it would be sweet. Ah, don't worry, cut me off. It's all right. Let me just pick up after your steamy pile. That's okay. Right? Is it? Sorry, that's kind of, can you say that in church? So we're only able to do that. We're only able to do that, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to know why I think we're able to give that grace to dogs? This is my opinion. I'm just completely my opinion. It could be completely wrong. It's because dogs are not trying to make us lower on the social ladder. You are not in competition with your dog. You are in competition with every other human being. So you're able to love that dog because what will that dog ever take from you? Other than your time or your discomfort, right? Think about that. It's really interesting. You're not trying to win, you know, some social ladder thing. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird when it comes to dogs and cats, right? So we're in the book of Romans, and the book of Romans is teaching us to really major on the majors. Folks, if you're wondering how it's done, just read this. Paul says here that it is through the scriptures that we learn how to endure, and we learn to be encouraged by the scriptures. And then it says, God gives endurance and gives encouragement. So I would challenge you. Go home, open your palms up to the Lord and say, Lord, by the power of your spirit, I want endurance and I want to be encouraged. I want to have hope. I want to have hope. I want to have hope. My kids right now are reading Pilgrim's Progress. If you have not read Pilgrim's Progress, I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. Last night where they were in, in Pilgrim's Progress is um, Christian had fallen away from the path 
and he had found himself in the castle of doubt. Ever been to the castle of doubt? It is the castle of doubt. Doubt is ruled by a giant named despair. And Christian was in this pit of despair for like five days. Three days he didn't see the light of day. Three days he was beaten every night without an inch of his life. And on day five, he said, I would rather die. I want to die, right? I want to die. And his friend Hopeful said, there must be a way. You are such a strong Christian. Look at where you have come. Why are you going to let this giant of despair defeat you now? You've gone through Beelzebub. You've been shot at with fiery arrows. You've gone through a lot. What's, what's going on? And you know what had happened? Christian had forgotten the promises of God. And what's beautiful about this scene is Christian is in the pit of despair, right? In the castle of doubt. And five days he just says, I'm done. I want to die. And then all of a sudden his friend Hopeful says, come on, man, there's got to be a way. There's got to be some way out of here. And all of a sudden something dawned on Christian. He goes, oh, I have a key. I have a key. Maybe it will work. And so he opened his pouch. Do you know what this key was called? God's promises. That's what the name of the key was. Boom! And guess what it did? It opened the cell door. Then it opened the castle door. Then it opened the moat door. Right? And how did Christian know God's promises? The Bible says, I will meditate on your word in the day and at night so that I will not stray from your goodness. Folks, the encouragement of the scriptures only comes to you when you put the scriptures in your heart. And that is an action that you must take. It doesn't just happen by osmosis because you sat in church on Sunday. The scripture must be part of your life tonight, tomorrow night, the next day. And it is a beautiful thing when you can pull scripture out and say, oh, I remember God's promises. So when Jake and Craig are at the top of a drop-in in Colorado that nobody should be skiing at that time because it's a sheet of weird wind-blown ice and we shouldn't be there, Craig can say, I'm no longer a slave to fear! Woo! Is that what you said? You said something. I was at the bottom. I could, all I heard was, as you wish... That would have been awesome if you did that. Yeah, you'll figure that next time. Folks, we're in this together. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you, with me. I need to take God's word and hide it in my heart. You do as well, and you'll be encouraged, and you will endure. And we need to do this together. We need to remind each other of God's word. Folks, I am so thankful for you. You give me such grace as your pastor. Thank you. Right? And we're going to do this together. We're going to do this together. So that's the end of Romans for a little while. We're going to put it on pause. We've got Advent coming up over the next couple weeks. Like I said, the next couple weeks are super crazy all over the place. I'm not going to be here next week. Right? I've got a couple days left of vacation in 2000 and what's this? 18. And uh, I was given tickets to the Patriots next Sunday. So, woo, go Pats against the Vikings, against the Vikings. 
That's a house divided in my home because my wife's from Minnesota. So I'll be headed down to see the Patriots next week. So you can be looking for me on TV. Uh, and then in two weeks after that, I'm going to go and visit our friends at Sugarloaf Area Christian Ministry. If you haven't seen Sugarloaf Area Christian Ministry, you should really thank them. Here's why. That's where Loon Mountain Ministry was birthed. In 1982, Skip Schwartz started Sugarloaf Area Christian Ministry at Sugarloaf Mountain in Maine. And uh, Pam and Earl Morris are huge mentors in my life. They're huge mentors for my pastoral stuff, my personal relationship with Heidi and my marriage, and, and my outreach to the ski resort. They are my mentors. If you do not have a mentor in your life, pray. The Lord will show you. I didn't think Pam and Earl were going to be. It's interesting. Back when I was just working at a Christian camp, God kept putting them on me, and I was like, I'm at a Christian camp. Now I understand why he was putting them on me. He was sending me to Loon Mountain Ministry. And these guys are awesome. Ready for this? Between the two of them, this is going to kind of date them. But between the two of them, they have 60 years of ski resort ministry experience. Think that's pretty good mentors to have? Yeah, really great mentors. So I'm going to be up there. I think it's December 15th or 16th. It's a Sunday. Um, we're going to be up there. We're going to provide music for them as a Corey family, which I think is going to really mean a lot to them. Um, but then, man, it's going to be Christmas. There's a lot, lot, lot coming up. There's the Christmas Eve service, which we need cookies and set up and tear down. Uh, there's Christmas caroling. Actually, where's my phone? I forgot to put that in here. If you want to mark your calendars, our Christmas caroling like we normally do uh, is going to be on a Friday night this year. Um, we've listened to you. Midweek nights are difficult. So we're going to go on a Friday night, and it's going to be Friday night, uh, December 14th. Friday night, December 14th, will be Christmas caroling. There'll be more details to come out. I've got to work with the Woodstock Station for all the turkey dinners. I've got to work with the Rotary Club to find out when we're meeting with them. And I've got to work with the police departments because we get escorted by the police departments. But all of that's going to come together and be looking at your calendars. We'd love for you to come and sing and deliver turkey dinners. It is absolutely a huge blessing to do that. Uh, I know there's a lot going on with mission community groups and youth group and all that stuff. Uh, let's not let any of that overwhelm us. All these things, none of them we do to earn anything. We don't earn anything. It's just fun to be part of what God's doing. And we hope that you can join us in doing it. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this time that we can look at your word and remind uh, us, Lord, that it's by the power of your spirit and by the memorizing of scripture that we can endure and we can have encouragement and have hope. Lord, let us not take your word out of our lives. By the power of your Holy Spirit, remind us, remind us, Lord. I need to be reminded, Lord, when I'm just sitting in bed doing that really weird zombie thing with my thumb and seeing pictures of puppies and kittens go up by, I just need a reminder that I need to flip on your word and meditate on it day and night. We need you, Holy Spirit. We can't do this alone. So in your name we pray, amen.